Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Shot Glass of Recovery with your host, Julie, half of the dynamic duo that brings you the podcast, Two Sober Chips. You may notice that my voice is raspy. It's because it's very late at night and a podcast just occurred to me based on my conversation with my ex-husband today, which went really well. Um, But I think two of the most powerful things that happened during that conversation was the ability for me not to sit and steep in panic and worry and fear and dread up until this conversation because I had several days knowing I was going to have this conversation, not knowing how it was going to turn out. And from the moment I knew I was going to have it, I felt okay. I felt okay that the situation would work out exactly how it was supposed to. And if you've listened to the podcast this week regarding this situation, I knew I was going to be okay. So when the conversation turned out like it did, I thought, thank God I didn't spend the last several days dreading this phone call and losing sleep and wondering about the what ifs and the worries about how things could come out. And I directly relate that to a lot of personal work, but stemming from recovery. So learning to let go and let God, learning to rely on my higher power, coming to the understanding that I am responsible for the work, but he is responsible for the outcome, that ultimately things are in his hands. And I have learned through the serenity prayer the things I cannot control. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not God. I don't know how things are going to work out. I no longer need to prepare myself for every possible outcome and plan ahead of time. Because to be honest, 90% of the time I plan for things that aren't reality. Uh, My sponsor today was talking about she's had many sponsees drink over things that in the end weren't even a fact. So that was the first thing that occurred to me. The second was the feeling of being known. I have not been known by a man since my ex-husband. I've never gotten to that point in relationships where we know each other. And here I am talking to a man that I had a 10-year history with, and he was still the same person, and so was I, and he remembered things about me and knew how to interact with me and pointed out certain things. And we had a really beautiful conversation. And just knowing what his voice meant or what the words meant or feeling a familiar pattern. And at one point, I just belly laughed for like three minutes straight. (laughs) And it made him belly laugh. And I am excited that one day I'm going to have that with someone else. Uh, And it was obvious to me once I engaged in this conversation towards the end that I indeed, in fact, have not had that since him. And we have been divorced for seven years. So it hasn't been an easy road for me um, in that regard. But that's okay because I choose to look at it as no matter how painful it's been, it's made me a better woman for the next man that comes along. And ultimately, because I'm so surrendered to my higher power, I think it's just been him teaching me things that I need to know for the next person. So I'm feeling so grateful. And it was emotional and bittersweet during the conversation. But I really feel like 
because of the grief work that I've done with the last man that I attempted a relationship with, it is very interwoven with this grief. And I finally feel at a place after all these years where I could, for the first time in all those years, actually have a relationship with my ex-husband that is appropriate, that I don't feel nauseous when I see his text once or twice a year saying hello and he hopes that I'm well. Who knows where it's going to go from here, but I feel really good about it. And before I sat down, I thought I would take a peek at May 24th, since we are officially in the wee hours of May 24th. And I just read the first line and I was like, once again, the language of letting go is perfect. So May 24th, letting the cycles flow. Life is cyclical, not static. Our relationships benefit when we allow them to follow their own natural cycles. Like the tide ebbs and flows, so do the cycles in relationships. We have periods of closeness and periods of distance. We have times of coming together and times of separating to work on individual issues. can't believe this. We have times of love and joy and times of anger. Sometimes the dimensions of relationships change as we go through changes. Sometimes life brings us new friends or a new loved one to teach us the next lesson. That does not mean the old friend disappears forever. It means we have entered a new cycle. We do not have to control the course of our relationships, whether these be friendships or love relationships. We do not have to satisfy our need to control by imposing a static form on relationships. Let it flow. Be open to the cycles. Love will not disappear. The bond between friends will not sever. Things do not remain the same forever, especially when we are growing and changing at such a rapid pace. Trust the flow. Take care of yourself, but be willing to let people go. Hanging on to them too tightly will make them disappear. The old adage about love still holds, holds true. If it's meant to be, it will be. And if you love someone, let them go. If they come back to you, the love is yours. Today, I accept the cyclical nature of life and relationships. I will strive to go with the flow. I will strive for harmony with my own needs and the needs of the other person. One last thing I want to add, because I know you guys will ask me if I don't mention it, is this amends that I was feeling I needed to make. So I talked with my sponsor and I told her I felt incredibly guilty that after the conversation I had not made the amends. And she said to me, right off the bat, two things. First, you're stuck in the bondage of self. And second, you can feel as guilty as long as you want to feel guilty. She talked about the amends process being a process of change and transformation and asked me if I am a different person today. And I said, yes. And she said, have you transformed? And I said, yes. And she said, have you made enough of a living amends? And I said, yes. And she said, I remember when you were separated. I remember all of the hard times that you endured with him, but chose to remain, as he did, loving, but firm and kind and how you have done a lot of work in that way. And to not rob someone of the beautiful moment of being able to be of service to you, which he was able to do for me today because I reached out and asked him to. And she said, he gave you a beautiful gift. You allowed him to be of service. He felt good about it. You felt good about it. It's in the past now. You both made your mistakes. And 
I think the willingness, being willing to make the amend is just as important as making the amend and letting God guide your intuition. So you didn't feel the intuition or that the timing was right to bring it up, but then you felt guilty afterwards. She said, like I said, you can feel guilty as long as you want to. Sounds like you're suffering from the bondage of self. And I was just like, oh my God, I fucking love her. I love her. I adore my sponsor. And uh, she also said something else that I can't remember that I would love to tell you about. It's probably because it's very late. Um, It was about drinking. Oh, drinking over feelings. Not that I was going to drink over my feelings, but we were talking about a new sponsee that I have and how I was counseling her about tolerating our feelings. Like, you will survive your feelings. And my sponsor said, I've never met someone whose feelings killed them, but only the people that couldn't tolerate their feelings. No, I've never had a sponsee who's, who died as a result of their feelings, but I have sponsored people who have died as a result of their drinking over their belief that they couldn't tolerate their problems or feelings. And I thought that was really good because... What I said to this sponsee was, you can endure your feelings. Your feelings won't kill you. It's when you get to the point of, I can't feel these feelings, that you reach out for a drink. But instead of believing the lie that you cannot feel your feelings, reprogram that, which is what we do in recovery. We learn to confront old belief systems and old scripts. Reprogram that by saying, this too shall pass. This feeling will pass. I'm sad right now and it will pass. I feel like shit and I hate my life right now and that will pass. All things pass and ebb and flow. So thanks for hanging in there with me this week with my podcasts, my feelings, the program stuff I'm talking about. I hope some of you are able to find healing or guidance or peace, or even if I just kept you company for the last 10 minutes and 18 seconds. I'm grateful for that. So happy Sunday, the wee hours of the morning. Thank you for being with me and I'll talk to you soon. Oh, wait, no, sorry. P.S. The... uh (laughs) I love love when this happens. I literally go to save it and type in a title and I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot something. Being known. So the whole tie-in that I've totally forgot about was being known is such a powerful healer. Like in our rooms, I feel like the first point of contact where we look at someone and say, oh my God, that's me or me too, or they're telling my story, that powerful sense inside of being known is the first step into hope and the first step into I am no longer alone. And the first step into it's a we program. It's so powerful that just being known, whether it's who you truly are as a child of God, as an as an alcoholic or addict in recovery, like just that sense does so much for us. We're a community people. That's why this COVID is so difficult because we're a people who gets well in community. Even though we do the work on our own, we get well in a community. And not only right now are we cut off from that community and being known, 
a lot of us are going off the rails because we don't have the accountability anymore of our home groups. We're not laying eyes on each other anymore. We're not getting information directly from people. We're hearing it from the rumor mill. So a lot of people that I know have gone haywire, completely off the rails. They may not be drinking, but they're going crazy and they're living lives of dishonesty and manipulation and taking advantage of and slipping into their own demise of guilt, shame, and regret or the downward spiral of loneliness and depression. And this is why it's so important for us to keep tethered as much as we can. Start a Zoom group, start a group chat, start a list of people where each one of you checks on on one person every single day because we need each other. We need to be known by each other. This, like I said before, is a we program. It's not an I program. The first word and the first step is we. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. So don't forget that although we can't meet in person, there are many ways to keep in touch with each other. And yes, they are no substitute for the real thing. But realize that we get sick alone, we get better together. So please reach out. If I'm the only person that you have ever heard of in recovery and you need support, you can always reach out to me. You can email me or Lisa, the number two sober chicks at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Gmail at the handle two sober chicks. So I think I'm done. I think that's the end of the podcast. Fingers crossed. Talk to you soon.